So Romans chapter 10, and we'll look at uh, verse 13, and we'll read to verse 19. It says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily their sound went, out, went into all the earth, and their words unto the ends of the world. It's one of the most consistent uh, reasons or disputes that uh, we hear, uh, or we tend to hear from people, uh, uh, especially out on the streets or, you know, uh, people that uh, are resisting the Lord, uh, is that if the good news that we are giving to them, uh, that you must be saved by faith in Jesus Christ, and if that is in fact what people need to hear to be saved, then what about those people who don't hear the good news? That's what people say. And uh, they say, you know, if God was a just God, uh, then the good news would go out to everyone. And uh, I, pro I, re I usually reply to them, well, it has. And uh, then you get the same old reply. Well, what about that someone over there in the, the, that lost tribe over in the deepest jungles of Africa? You know, somewhere like that. I usually, I usually reply, well, that's a good point. You know, well, why don't you go over there and ask them then? You know, that's uh, what's motivated many missionaries over the past, uh, you know, to give up everything, their livelihoods, their uh, even uh, families, and uh, go over there with the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, because it says in our passage, how beautiful are the feet of them which preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So the gospel is exactly what they need. The Apostle Paul, uh, he answers the question for us here in this passage. Because the truth is, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We see that there in verse 13. And uh, the Apostle Paul, being one step ahead, uh, he knows what people might then say. How, shall, how, how then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? That's a good point. Good point. You know, if you're going to call on the Lord to save you from your sins... Uh, you need to believe the Lord exists and that he is able to do that. Not only that, uh, how shall I hear without a preacher? That's another good point. Uh, to believe uh, what they need to hear, they have to hear it. So there has to be someone there to preach it. But not only that, uh, if someone there, uh, if someone there in their vicinity or doesn't know it, well, how are they going to preach it? So therefore, a preacher must then have to be sent. But I say, Amen. Good. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. I 100% agree. But I thank the Lord that he has always had someone to preach the gospel to the lost. And I mean always. Always. The problem isn't with the preaching 
The problem is with the obeying. And I look how the Apostle Paul answers this problem, which in reality is no uh, problem at all. Look at verse 16. He says, But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So just because the gospel comes to people doesn't mean that they are necessarily going to obey it. So we see there that the Apostle Paul quotes from the prophet Isaiah. So turn in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah and we'll look at this. We'll look at chapter 53 and look at verse 1. He says, Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? And uh, Isaiah chapter 53, that's the chapter uh, in the Old Testament scriptures that gives us a, a detailed description of Jesus Christ, our Saviour, and uh, you know the, the, the promised Messiah to come. <coughs> it gives details of uh, what he came to do. It gives details that he'd be despised uh, and stricken of men. Uh, details that he was wounded uh, for our transgressions, uh, that the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all, uh, gives details that he was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, cut off uh, out of the land for the living, uh, uh, for the transgressions of the people. Uh, he was numbered with the transgressors and bare the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. So uh, Israel, they had... All they needed to know to recognise Jesus Christ uh, when he came. And uh, if they just believed the light that they had been given in their Old Testament, then when he came, they would have recognised their Messiah. They would have recognised him. So mankind... Uh, well, actually, this side of the cross, Jesus Christ, we have a lot more detail. We have a lot more detail and a lot more accountability. Uh, but it was the same gospel that they had to be believe in order to be saved. Their sacrificial system pointed to it. Their law pointed to it. Everything points to the righteousness of God which can only be found in Jesus Christ. And uh, mankind throughout the ages have been given more and more revelation. There's always been someone to tell uh, people about the salvation of God and how they can be saved. But the problem is not the messenger. It never has been. The problem is with the hero. The problem's with men. And uh, it says, Whom hath believed our report? In here, this passage, verse 1. So Isaiah has echoed, uh, or the Apostle Paul has echoed what uh, Isaiah has said here. But the arm of the Lord has been revealed to every nation on earth. Look at chapter 52 of Isaiah, and look at verse 10. The Lord hath made bare his holy, holy arm in the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. <coughs> so there's no nation on earth that can say, I haven't known the way of salvation. I can't explain how it all works, but I know it's true. See, God gets the message out there somehow, and he does it through preaching. Psalm 98 1 to 3 says, O sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvellous things. His right hand and his holy arm hath gotten him the victory. The Lord hath made known his salvation. His righteousness hath he openly showed in the sight of the heathen. He hath remembered his mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. 
So all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. So you're just going to have to believe that to be true or not. And uh, for me, if that's what God says, well, I believe it. I may not be able to get around uh, to every person on this planet to test that. You know, I'd have to, uh, you know, speak to seven or eight billion people. I don't think that's going to happen. You know, while I'm alive, I won't get around to all those people. But one thing I'm sure of, if God said it, then I believe it. God's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Isaiah 59 verse 1 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. So the Lord's hand, it's not too short that you can't grab hold of it. The problem is not with the arm of the Lord. That's not where the problem is. And his ear is not so heavy uh, that he won't hear. The problem is not with the Lord's uh, hearing. The problem is with the, with the people confessing and uh, after, after they, uh, uh, they don't want to confess. The Lord's ready to hear. And uh, this was Israel's problem during Isaiah's time. Now they thought the Lord was playing games with them and uh, that he was kind of holding his, his, his hands out to them, but shortened, you know, that they can't save them. And uh, that's kind of just, just for show, you know, it looks like I'm, I'm doing it, but, you know, you can't reach. But the Lord doesn't do that. His hand is not shortened that it cannot save. People just refuse to recognise that he is God and uh, they, they don't want to do things his way. That's the problem. But look at verse 2. It says, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. So the problem's with people. It's not with God. But back in our passage in Romans chapter 10, <coughs> verse uh, 21 says, but, says to, but to Israel he saith, All day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. So the problem is with people. People are just disobedient. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So the word of God, it's gone out to the ends of the earth. This is the glad tidings of good things, uh, the gospel of peace, as it's said here. Uh, the gospel of peace is also uh, what's mentioned in uh, uh, the, the, the whole armour of God, uh, feet shod with the gospel of peace. Uh, and that's what can save a man. It's the gospel. You might say, but, you know, have they not heard? You might say, but, you know, what, a, what if they haven't heard? But my, my Bible says... They have heard. And uh, we've got to let God be true and every man a liar. If God says it, you've either got to believe it or not. I look at verse 18. Paul answers that question. He says, But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth and their words unto the ends of the world. <coughs> so who is he speaking about here? Who's there? Who's their sound and their words? Who is the there here? Well, it is the sent preacher of verse 14 and 15 who brings the gospel of peace and glad tidings of good things because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Uh, turn to Psalm 19 in, in our Bibles. I have no doubt that God gets the gospel out to every person who ever lived. 
Now, if you just think about it, that if it's the gospel that saves and people go to hell for their sin because they refuse to be saved by the gospel, the glad tidings are good things, that's what the gospel is. So that tells me they heard it. If they're in hell, they're in hell for refusing it. That tells me they rejected it. But even the things that are made declare the the glory of God. Look at verse 1. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth forth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words unto the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun. <coughs> so nobody anywhere in the world can look up and, and look around them and ignore the creator of all things. And uh, for, for this alone, men are, in, are inexcusable. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter where you are on this planet. The Bible says there is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. So even with that alone, if that's all the revelation that they had, men can uh, and should still give glory to God who made all things. But even then, the problem is not with God, it's with men. They refuse to give God the glory of those things that they see. But I believe God gives even more revelation than that. I believe he sends a preacher, like Romans chapter 10 says. But even if he didn't, and all the revelation that men had was the things that God had made, at the very base level, it's ample enough to recognise the creator of all things and give him the glory. But the problem is not with God. It's not with God. It's with men. So turn to Romans chapter 1, and we're going to read from verse 16. And this is why the Apostle Paul, I believe, is not ashamed of the gospel. Because he knows it is the gospel of Christ that will hold every man accountable that's ever lived. He says, verse 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So we see it there, it's the gospel of Christ. So everyone from the beginning of time (coughs) has to be saved because of the gospel of Christ. From faith to faith, he says, the, the just has always lived by faith in Christ. Yes, we have more revelation and know a lot more detail than even Israel had the other side of the cross. But it's always been by the gospel of Christ that a man can be saved. So God has uh, every right to be angry because he has made himself known to everybody and shown them the way of righteousness. Everybody. The problem is not with God, it is with men. Look at verse 18. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now I want you to see this word, this word because. It is because they, you know, you've got to think about this. Is it because they never knew any different? 
Now, is that the reason? Or, you know, is it because God never revealed himself to them? But have a look. It says, because that, when, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, look at this, so that they are without excuse. So the best excuse that anybody can come up with is, I never knew. No one ever told me. But I believe nobody in hell right now can use that as an excuse because they knew what they needed to know but they rejected it. You know, it says there that even his eternal power and Godhead, that means that there's no other. He's not just one of many. Even his eternal power and Godhead, they even understand that. Now, I can't explain it all but I don't need to. You know, because if that's what the Bible says, I believe it. Now, now here, here it is again. You're going to see that word again, because. Verse 21, it says, Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God unto an image like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonour their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. They changed the truth of God into a lie. You can only do that if you get the truth of God. How can you change the truth of God into a lie if you don't have the truth of God? So they had the truth of God. So I always say to the man on the street who says, what about that man over there in the deepest jungle of Africa? I say, well, if there's one man that comes out of his little hut over there and he stops and he looks at all his mates dancing around that fire and all their uh, voodoo gear and they're worshipping, you know, the sun or the moon or, or whatever it may be that they've, that they've made a God and he stops and he thinks, and he thinks, this is really foolish. This is really wrong. I, I want the truth. You know, there's a God in heaven who made all these things. I don't know who it is, but I want more revelation. I believe that God will get revelation to that man one way or another. I believe he will. So God has a habit of doing that. And we see it in the Bible. Turn with me to Acts chapter 8. See, God sees everything going on in his created world. He's not ignorant or uh, unaware of men's hearts. You know, he, he, he always knows exactly what's going on in the heart of every man. So look at Acts chapter 8 and uh, look at verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, <coughs> Excuse me, and was returning and sitting on, in his chariot reading Isaiah the prophet. 
when the spirit of uh, then the spirit of the Lord said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. So here we've got this Ethiopian eunuch, uh, this man, he's coming back from Jerusalem. He'd been there to worship God and he has the Hebrew uh, scriptures with him and he's reading them and he's trying to understand them. Now God sees this and he can see uh, that this guy's got a genuine heart for the truth. So he sends Philip there to tell him the truth. And let's look at verse 30. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest what thou readest. And he said, How can I, except that some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scriptures which he read was this, and he was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. He was in Isaiah 53. And uh, in his judgment, uh, in his humiliation, sorry, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. <coughs> so the Ethiopian man, he's in Isaiah chapter 53. Now he's trying to understand the revelation that he has in front of him. Now the difference between him and most of the Jews in Israel at this time is that this man had a heart for the truth. You know, the Jews had the truth right there in front of them. And uh, they had a lot more uh, knowledge uh, of the Hebrew scriptures than probably this Ethiopian man. But they didn't have a heart for it. And the, look at verse 34, And the eunuch answered Philip, and he said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? And Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. See that? And he preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? So Philip, he was the man from God to preach to this man, Jesus, because he was genuine and he wanted to know the truth. You know, I believe anyone who is genuinely seeking the truth, even with a limited revelation that he has, God's never going to let, let that person down. He will always send somebody to tell someone the truth if they've got a heart for the truth. And uh, they've got enough revelation uh, already. See, Philip told him about the cross of Jesus Christ. He told him about how believers identified themselves with Christ through baptism uh, after they believed, a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, the, the, the Ethiopian uh, eunuch, he was already believing what he was reading. He was already believing it. He just didn't have uh, all the details yet. And God sent Philip to tell him the details. And the Ethiopian eunuch, he asked the question, what does hinder me to be baptized? Philip said, if thou believest, with all thine heart thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand Still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. When they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, passing through. Uh, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. I mean, that to me is a miracle. That is a miracle. You've got this man who's trying to search the scriptures. <coughs> he doesn't understand what he's reading. He's believing it. And the Lord sends Philip. 
all that way. And after Philip preaches to him, Philip is just caught away and he just turns up somewhere else. That, that is a miracle. See, uh, Philip wouldn't have had a clue about this man until the Lord saw what was going on. Philip wouldn't have known. And, uh, but you know, he, he didn't know until the Lord sent him to preach to this man. I don't believe the Lord leaves anybody destitute of the truth. Everyone has been given enough revelation of God, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. And I'll say it again. The problem is not with man. Sorry, the problem is with man. The problem is not with God. The problem is with man. Turn to Colossians chapter 1. Some people still try and grapple with it. You know, they, they want to understand you know, how God does it or, or how he gets the message out to everybody. If they can just prove that one man was left out, if they can prove one man, then they can point the finger at God and say he's unjust. And, uh, but, you know, you can't do that because I know how he does it. He does it through preaching. You might say, how? But I'm telling you how. <laughs> he does it through preaching. Look at verse 19. So Paul, uh, writing to the church, or the believers in, in Colossae, in Colossians chapter 1, uh, verse 19, he says, For it pleased the Father that in him, that's Jesus, should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight if you continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which he have heard, look at this, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. So the Bible says there, to every creature which is under heaven, was preached to every creature which is under heaven. So you're just going to have to accept that, or you're going to have to keep doubting God. And uh, that's uh, what people have to do. You know, I don't have a problem with it. I've accepted it. You know, the question is, have you accepted it? You know, someone might say to me, you're a fool. No, I'm not a fool. But if they want to call the preaching of the cross foolish, then I'll be a fool. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 to 21, it says, Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world, by wisdom, knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. It's always through preaching. You know, for some people, that's all that is keeping them from coming to the Lord. But when you think about it, do you really think they're concerned for that man over there in the deepest jungle of Africa? Or is it just an excuse? You know, because they can't use the excuse <laughs> the excuse for themselves, uh, you know, because they can't say that they've never heard it. You know, so they've got to try and, you know, use that excuse of someone else, but they can't even prove that that person has uh, never heard it. But even then, they have a dilemma. 
Because if they go over there and ask these people and say, look, have you heard of Jesus Christ? Well, then they've got to tell them. And then their excuse is gone because they've just told them about Jesus. So they can't win either way. They don't know. They're just using that as an excuse. They want it to be true so they can justify their own rejection of the truth. Every man that ever lived is a descendant of Adam and Eve. And the truth has always been there right from the very beginning. It is not God's fault if men want to try and suppress the truth in their unrighteousness. That's not God's fault. Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11 and uh, we'll look at verse 4. So men hate the truth so much that they, they even want to try and kill it. Now they just want to stop it in its track so it just doesn't keep going. Men, men try to do that. Verse 4, Hebrews chapter 11, says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and look at this, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. So the account of Abel was passed down from generation to generation <coughs> while he being dead yet speaketh. So you can try and suppress the truth. You can try and kill it. But that'll just make people talk about it even more. And that's what's happened even with our Saviour. So then we've got Enoch, the seventh from Adam, another man of God that preached uh, Jesus Christ right back there in the beginning. Look at verse 5. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found, God hath translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. I believe there's a reason that he pleased God. And uh, look at Jude. Turn to Jude. And we're going to look at verse 14 and 15. <coughs> I believe this is why he pleased God. So Jude 1 verse 14 to 15, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these things, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly, among them all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So who does the Bible say is coming back with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon the earth? It's Jesus Christ. So way back then, even Enoch was preaching about Jesus Christ and him coming to judge the earth. I don't think he left any details out. I don't think he left anything out. I believe he preached what people needed to know to be saved. And uh, you know, by the way, there's this uh, book getting around these days called the Book of Enoch. And uh, it's not the Book of Enoch. Now, it's a devil's book that's just called the Book of Enoch. Now, the earliest fragments of this so-called uh, Book of Enoch, and I mean they were fragments, you know, they were <coughs> a couple of little uh, fragments uh, were discovered along with the uh, Dead Sea Scrolls. And uh, they were written in Aramaic, not Hebrew. And uh, it only had the equivalent of a few verses uh, in these fragments. And none of these fragments which mention the prophecy that we have here in Jude. So, you know, there were many other fragments and, and writings and things found in the caves as well that were clearly not scripture. You know, the earliest full copy of the Book of Enoch is in the Ethiopian uh, language, which is from the late 1700s. You know, so 
you know, there's nothing at all to prove that the prophecy that we have here in the book of Enoch uh, was written before the prophecy uh, in, in Jude. You know, a cunning uh, individual, he most likely, uh, you know, uh, wrote it down and added it later on, you know, to try and put weight on the rest of the rubbish that he wrote in the book of Enoch and uh, just, to, just to try and fool people. So don't get fooled by uh, these uh, books. You know, I've spoken to a few people lately that have been fooled by the, uh, or almost fooled by the book of Enoch. But look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. It says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. So Noah, he was born 69 years after Enoch, and uh, he was uh, and uh, 69 years after Enoch was taken to heaven. And uh, it says there uh, in our Bibles that Noah was a preacher preacher of righteousness. So 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 4 to 5 says, "For if God spared not the angels that sin, <coughs> excuse me, but cast them down to hell." and delivered them into the chains of darkness to be reserved under judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, look at this, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. So what does a preacher of righteousness preach? Well, he preaches how you can get right with God. That's what he preaches. So God has always had a preacher to tell people how they can be right with God. Men are, are really without excuse. I mean, you had uh, even guys like Melchizedek. Where did he come from? No one knows. He just showed up. No one knows where he went. He's not in any of the genealogies that we have in the Bible. Look at Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1. So Melchizedek, he was king of Salem, uh, when Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan. So Salem is said to be uh, the area where Jerusalem is. So it says there, for this Melchizedek, king of Salem, look at this, priest of the most high God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation, look at this, king of righteousness. After that, also king of Salem, which is king of peace. That's what it means. <coughs> without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life. But look at this. But made like unto the Son of God abideth a priest continually. Look at this. Now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. You know, some say that uh, Melchizedek was a type of Christ. Uh, you know, some say that he may have even been uh, Christ himself, pre-incarnate. Now, either way, it says here he didn't have any descent or beginning of days nor end of life. And he was the king of righteousness, a priest of the most high God. So God has always had somebody, always had somebody to preach the righteousness of God. Always. Turn to Luke 19. Now, Bibles, Luke 19. So, if people can justify that just one person 
just someone out there died and went to hell and never had a chance to hear the gospel, the good news to save them from their sin. If someone can just prove there's just one out there, then they can just feel justified, you know, in saying that God is just he's unjust. You know, like, look at that. But the Bible doesn't let anyone have an excuse. Because I agree. That would be a good excuse. Right? I never knew. No one ever told me. That would be a good excuse. But look at verse 28. And when he, so this is talking about Jesus here, had thus spoken, he went before ascending up to Jerusalem. <coughs> and, and it came to pass when he was come nigh to Bethpage and Bethany at the mount called Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying, Go ye into the village over against you in which at your entering you shall find a colt tied wherein ye never sat, uh, where, sorry, whereon yet never man sat. Loose him and bring, bring him hither. And if any man ask you, Why do you loose him? Thus shall you say unto him, Because the Lord hath need of him. And they that was sent went their way and found even as he had said unto them. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why loose ye the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast the garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come nigh, even now, at the descent of the Mount of Olives, look at this, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. So here we have the, uh, this multitude declaring the Saviour, you know, the King is here. And uh, verse 39, it says, And some of the Pharisees among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. But look at this. And he answered and he said unto them, he says, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones, the stones would immediately cry out. So nobody is going to stop the message of Jesus Christ from being declared. And we see it there. Even if they could, Jesus says that even the stones would immediately cry out. You know, I always say I, I may even get to heaven up there in glory and meet somebody that's been converted by a rock. But I don't think so. I, because I believe that God has always had a preacher. I believe if there's no preacher, even the stones would cry it out. If God can use a donkey, a dumbass, to get his message through, then using a preacher isn't too hard for God. Turn to Numbers chapter 22. So Numbers chapter 22, and here in this passage, uh, we have the king of the Moabites. <coughs> and uh, he's frightened out of his wits because he'd uh, seen how the Israelites had mightily just, mightily just defeated the Amorites. And uh, so we've got uh, Balak, uh, the, the Moabite king, he hires... Uh, this false prophet named Balaam to put a curse on Israel and then uh, but God intervenes and he speaks to this uh, false prophet so we've got to remember 
that a false prophet is a false prophet because they don't really hear from God. That's what makes them a false prophet. And, uh, but what I want you to see here is that God is, is, isn't limited. <coughs> he can even use a false prophet hired to curse Israel to then bless Israel. And uh, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 15 says, uh, don't have to turn there, but I'll just, uh, it says, give it, give, it gives us a good summary of this man Balaam. You know, he's used as an example by Peter to describe these false prophets and false teachers uh, that would come. And uh, so talking about false teachers, he says, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity, the dumbass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. <coughs> but at Numbers 22, we'll read from verse 5. So he, that's the uh, king of the Moabites, uh, sent messages therefore unto Balaam, the son of Boa, uh, to Pethor, which is by the river of the land of the children of his people, to call him, saying, Behold, there is people came out from Egypt. Behold, they cover the whole face of the earth, uh, or the face of the earth, sorry, and they abide over against me. He says, Come now, therefore, I pray thee, curse me, this people, for they are too mighty for me. Peradventure, per, per perhaps I shall prevail, that we may smite them that I may drive them out of the land, for I wot that he whom thou blessest is blessed, and whom thou cursest is cursed. And the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the reward, or the rewards of divination in their hand. The rewards of divination. See, that's all this uh, Balaam uh, guy really was. He was a, a, a diviner, or a diviner, or a soothsayer, uh, you know, a fortune teller. And uh, they came to Balaam and spake unto him the words of Balak. And he said unto them, Lodge here this night, and I'll bring you word again, as the Lord shall speak unto me. And the princes of Moab abode in Balaam, uh, sorry, with Balaam. And God came unto Balaam and said, What men are these with thee? So this isn't the usual uh, thing for God to speak to false prophets. But I want you, what I want you to see is that God is not bound by man when he wants to get something done or wants to get the truth out there. Now he wants, if he wants something preached, he's going to get it preached. And he'll get it preached one way or another. And verse 10 says, And Balaam said unto God, Balak the son of Zippor, king of Moab, hath sent unto me, saying, Behold, there is a people that come out of Egypt which covereth the face of the earth. Come now, curse me them, perhaps... Uh, or peradventure per I shall be able to overcome them and drive them out. And God said unto Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them, thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. And Balaam rose up in the morning and said unto the princes of Balak, Get you into your land, for the Lord refuseth to give me leave to go with you. And the princes of Moab rose up, and they went unto Balak and said, Balaam refuseth to come with us. And Balak sent yet again princes, more and more honourable than they. And they came to Balaam and said unto him, Thus saith Balak the son of Zippor, Let nothing, I pray thee, hinder thee from coming unto me. For I will promote thee unto, uh, uh, unto very great honour, and I will do whatsoever thou sayest unto me. Come therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people. So Balaam, he's got all this money, from the king of Moab, and he's hired to curse Israel, and uh, 
this uh, king is going to you know, promote him even more and give him more, and, but he won't, even, he won't go there. He won't even go there uh, with them to do it. And then God speaks to Balaam again, and, uh, and he says, if they come again unto you to go with them, then go with, then go with them, but only speak the words that I'll have you speak. Look at verse uh, 20. <coughs> and God came unto Balaam at night and said unto him, if the men come to call thee, rise up and go with them, but, but yet the word which I shall say unto thee, that shalt thou do. And Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his ass, and he went with the princes of Moab, and God's anger was kindled because he went. And the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. Now he was riding uh, upon his ass, and his two servants were with him. So God was angry that he went, uh, because God knew Balaam's heart, and he knew that he was up to no good again. He was probably thinking of the money, you know, and, and yeah, he was going, but he wasn't going to go and do what the Lord asked him to do when he got there. That's why the Lord was angry. And uh, verse 23, and the, and the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand, and as the ass turned aside out of the way, uh, and the ass turned aside out of the way and went into the field, and Balaam smote the ass to turn her into the way. But the angel of the Lord stood in the path of the vineyards, a wall being on this side and a wall on that side. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself into the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he smote her again. And the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn, either to the right hand or to the left. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam and Balaam's anger was kindled and he smote the ass with his staff. But look what happens here. And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass and he said unto Balaam, what, oh, and she said unto Balaam, what have I done unto thee that thou hast smitten me these three times? And Balaam said unto the ass, because thou hast mocked me, I would there, uh, were, I would there were a sword in my hand, for now I would kill thee. And the ass said unto Balaam, Am I not thine ass, upon which thou hast ridden ever since I was thine unto this day? Was I ever uh, want to do unto thee? And he said, Nay. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand, and he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. So the, the Lord rebuked Balaam through the mouth of Balaam's own donkey. I mean, that's a miracle. You know, Balaam, uh, he then went on to bless Israel three times when he was hired to curse them. Look at chapter 23. Look at verse 5. <coughs> and we'll just look at the first time here. And the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth and said, Return unto Balak, and thus thou shalt speak. And he returned unto him, and, and lo, he stood by his burnt sacrifice, and all the princes of Moab, and he took up his parable and said, Balak, the king of Moab, hath brought me from Aram out of the mountain of the east, saying, Come curse me, Jacob, and come defy Israel. Look at this, he says, How shall I curse whom God hath not cursed? Or how shall I defy whom the Lord hath not defied? For from the top of the rocks I see him, from the, and from the hills I behold him, 
The people shall dwell alone and shall not be reckoned among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob and the number of the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous and, and let my last end be like his. And Balak said unto Balaam, What hast thou done unto me? I took thee to curse mine enemies. Behold, thou hast blessed them altogether. So you can see here, this wicked man, Balaam, all he could do was bless the people. And, uh, you know, so not only did the Lord use this wicked man to bless Israel, who was hired to curse Israel, but he even rebukes this man using the own donkey of this man to do it. And people want to ask, what about that man over there in the deepest jungle of Africa? How is he going to hear the gospel? I'll tell you how he's going to hear the gospel. He's going to hear it through preaching. That's what the Bible says. And God can do it. Look what he done here. Believe me, God can do it. If he can use a donkey, he has no problem getting a preacher to tell people the truth. Turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 1. See, the problem has never been with God and it's never going to be with God. That's not the problem. The problem's never going to be with the messenger. The problem is always with the hearer. They don't want to believe God. That's the problem. Look at verse 22 of Proverbs chapter, chapter 1. <coughs> it says, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and, and fools hate knowledge. Turn ye at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you because... Look at this, because. There's that word again. Because I have called... And ye refused. I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded, but ye have said it, nor all my counsel, and would not have none of my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh, when your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when your distress and anguish cometh upon you. And then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they, look at this, this is the reason, for that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore, look at this, they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But look at verse 33, but... But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. You know, if you haven't chosen the fear of the Lord here today, then maybe today is the day. If you haven't repented toward the God and trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, then maybe today is the day. Because I believe that every man will stand before God without excuse. Nobody in hell right now can say that God didn't love them. Nobody. He loved them, but they refused. And they said it naught, all of his counsel. They would have none of his reproof. They ate the fruit of their own way. Therefore, they were filled with their own devices. So we've got to either believe that to be true or not. The problem is not with the messenger. The problem is with men. Let's pray.